This week, the focus is on the Erskine Edinburgh home. And we're going to say hello to somebody that everybody at Erskine Edinburgh will know because she is the manager of Erskine Edinburgh. It's Alison Payne. Hi, Alison. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to, to chatting with you uh, today and on Thursday. Start off then by telling us your, your backstory. How did you find yourself uh, where you are now at, uh, at Erskine Edinburgh? Um, well, ooh, that's a long time ago. Let me see. (laughs) (laughs) I went straight out of school into nursing. Um, So I went into Napier University and did my nurse training. Um, And that was really down to a friend of mine who uh, was in a road traffic accident. And I helped to look after her and helped her to rehab when she was um, in hospital. And it was actually her that said to me to look into nursing. Um, Originally, I was going to be an art student and I was going to Edinburgh University to do art. So um, complete change. Um, And I've never looked back, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how things work out, isn't it? What, what, What sort of art were you interested in? Um, I liked graphical arts. Um, I was really interested in comic. Um, so I wanted to do graphic comics, graphic novels. Um, yeah, so completely different. <laughs> and, and do you still, um, is that something you do in your spare time then? Is that one of your hobbies, still art and that sort of side of it? Yeah, I still paint, I still draw. Um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely the kind of artistic side has always stayed with me. Um, and hopefully pass it on to my kids as well (laughs) yeah well i think if you can draw or paint i think it's a fantastic skill i can't i can't draw i can draw like a stick man or something but i just can't translate what i can see with a with a paintbrush or with a pen or anything like that it's just something i can't do so it's a great skill to have um how's this last year been for you as as manager of the erskine edinburgh home it's obviously well documented what a what a tough year well more than year 18 months or more now at the time of that we're recording this um with restrictions with the obvious health implications that's that's been around and particularly how that's affected care homes in general wherever they are um how, how has that year been for you being the person who's managing the home um, it's it's been one of the most difficult times that I've ever had in my career. Um, I think most nurses or anybody in, in care or you know just anybody in general would agree um, a pen- pandemic is hopefully something that will only ever happen once in our lifetime. Um, I don't think I could do it again. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's been really, really hard um, from a personal perspective as well as as a work perspective. Um, someone was asking me to try and describe what it's been like, and I said I kind of feel like a, a Disney villain because I'm constantly having to say to people, "No, you can't do that. No, you can't see your mum. No, you can't see your dad. No, you're only allowed to stay for half an hour or fifty minutes." Obviously, that's got a lot better now, um, but. It was really difficult because it's a the role can be quite a negative role anyway because a lot of the time people don't come to my door unless there's a problem, and that's normally when I get called in. Um, so, one thing it did do was make a very positive situation in the sense that we became a very close community. Um, there was a lot of relatives who were handing things in for staff, and we had the local community around us. Um, 
providing food and um, you know pizzas for staff, chocolates for the residents, um, masks, visors, anything at all they could do. They were they were trying to help us, even to the point of um, when we were locked down to provide us with newspapers for the residents. Um, you know the, the local supermarkets were delivering them for us, so. In that sense, it was very positive, but then obviously you've got the very negative aspect of telling people that they can't see their loved ones and taking away that special time that they might have before that person passes away. Um, and I know the staff found that very difficult as well. Um, we had a lot of very dedicated people who stayed in the home through our most difficult periods. Um, in general, we were very lucky. We we only really lost one resident to COVID um, up to this point, and that's really down to the staff and the hard work that they've done to keep COVID out of the home. Um, but it just, um, for example, people forget that we have families too. So my gran uh, was very elderly and quite frail. I saw her in the December before COVID hit. Uh, we got locked down in the March. I didn't see my gran for two years and I only got to see her a couple of months ago um, and unfortunately she passed away two weeks ago. So the time I got oh, spent with her was as she was dying. So it really brings home how it must have felt for all of the relatives going through that, through the pandemic and how hard it was. And a lot of the staff are in the same position. They've got elderly relatives. They've got partners who have maybe been through chemotherapy. They were terrified of taking something home or bringing something into the home. Um, so it's it's been really difficult. It's been really hard. And to try and switch that off now with things opening up can bring on a whole new anxiety for people as well. Yeah, that, that and that is something we're going to see more of, I think. And everybody's new normal is, is going to be different but over the course of of the last 18 months and doing the job that you do and this goes for a lot of people in healthcare in general it's very hard just to say i finish work at five o'clock and that's it you know that my day is done and and you can just switch off from that it's very hard to switch off from all of the things that are going on absolutely um it's one of the reasons that i wanted to become a mental health first aider mental health champion um it it's a great thing that Erskine are doing. Um, a lot of places are now looking at mental health since the pandemic, and I think it's brought to light either people who already had mental health or people who mental health is new to them um, and they're struggling with anxiety and depression, um, being isolated for so long if you're working from home. Um, so it's it's an amazing thing that we're doing it's it's not up and running yet so a lot of people won't know about it fully um but all of the homes um have their own mental health champions and we're going to work together to work with the staff um, look at health and well-being and be a support system for people who need it um in moments of crisis or even just in moments where they might have friends or relatives going through a difficult time and they would like some advice to support them yeah, and I think it is, you know, it, 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 mental health, is, of course, has always been there, but it's just been one of those things that people don't perhaps want to talk about, um, but don't realise the benefits of talking about it as well. And it's, it's opening and starting that conversation with, with people and just probably being honest, isn't it? And saying, you know what, I'm having a really bad day today or whatever it might be, and people will, will open up and probably feel better for it afterwards. Absolutely. I and mean, it's still got a lot of stigma associated with it. 
And I know um, that a lot of people find it difficult to admit when they've got a problem or when they're feeling down or they're having difficulty. Um, it, you know, it's it's one of those situations where um, when you're in a, a position where a lot of people are re- relying on you, um, you have that panic of, oh, if I say anything, they're going to think I'm not fit to do my job or I can't cope. And it's certainly not like that at all. Um, it's about getting everybody to acknowledge that it exists, but also that it's something that you can live with and we can support you um, to continue working with as well. Now, um, I hear that you're making your own podcast. Um, tell us about this, because this sounds uh, sounds exciting. What, what is it you're recording? What are you doing then? Um, so I am attempting to do my own podcast. Um, I <laughs> have never done anything like this before. Um, so basically I um, got diagnosed probably about two and a half years ago with anxiety and depression. Um, it all kind of stemmed from um, a touch of postnatal de- depression that I had with my last child. Um, and I um, have lots of ailments. So I have chronic pain that I've lived with for over eight years now. Um, and then I had COVID and I got long COVID. And um, I've had lots of kind of things that have, have, have built up. So I was kind of talking to people about it and a few people had said to me, it would really be nice to know how you cope. You've got a really high job to do, um, high stress. You're going through a pandemic. You're already dealing with so much. Um, you know, it might help somebody just to hear that it's normal, um, that it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, maybe something that I'm doing is something they haven't thought about trying themselves. Um, on the other hand, um, it may be that someone else can share something with me that helps me. So I'm also going to be asking people to um, come on and talk about the difficulties that they've had, um, you know, illnesses that they're living with and how they manage that as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's still a, it's on the drawing board. I've done a couple <laughs> of recordings. I think, as most people say, they hate the sound of their own voice. Um, so <laughs> I've had to be recorded. You, you get over it eventually, though. It, it's weird. It's the main thing. That's what everybody says. Everybody yeah. says that. And I, I always say to people who uh, who say that, that your voice only sounds weird to you. It, it doesn't sound weird to anyone else. That is your voice. It's only because you're hearing it and you're not used to hearing that in that way it's like looking at yourself in the mirror i suppose and it look you don't look exactly the same and seeing the writing backwards sometimes you know but um yeah you'll be fine you'll be absolutely fine so it's um well fingers crossed <laughs> it's called <laughs> um pain and perseverance so named it after myself um and uh, it'll be available hopefully um by next month that's when i'm hoping to release it um so you'll be able to get it in all your usual um podcast areas <laughs> Alison Payne is the manager of Erskine Edinburgh and uh, she's back with us now and I uh, just want to talk about the prospect of being a registered nurse and working at Erskine because perhaps when you are training to be a registered nurse a career in in care um, is, is perhaps not necessarily where you you would first look for a job and uh, maybe perhaps you might focus immediately on a on a hospital or a or a doctor's surgery or something. But tell us about what it's like being a registered nurse and, and having a career in, in caring, uh, as you have done, and at a place such as Erskine. Um, from my own personal experience, I would say go for it. Absolutely, 100%. 
Um, I started off in Erskine 10 years ago um, and I was a, a nurse on the floor, um, house manager and then worked my way up to home manager. Um, I worked in the hospitals prior to that and care homes were never on my radar. I kind of fell into care homes. Um, and the difference that I found is that working in Erskine, you're not dealing with um, one specific illness. So in the hospital, I might have been in cardiac medicine or I might have been in surgical. Um, whereas here you have a whole lot of people, individuals with lots of different things going on and you have to be able to manage and, and deal with these things as they occur from day to day um, and it's something completely different every day. There's no two days that are the same. Um, you might have somebody that's palliative care. You might have somebody who has Parkinson's. You might have someone that's got dementia. Um, you could have someone that's got diabetes, heart condition, liver condition. There's so many things going on. You could have somebody with all of the above. Um, it's one of those areas that you're going to learn skills that you probably wouldn't learn anywhere else. And you're going to learn to deal with difficult situations, um, a multitude of different areas, complexities, illnesses, um, but also you most importantly get to know the person. And that's one of the biggest things I've found here is that Erskine for me is really a second family. Um, you get to know the residents, you get to know their relatives, you get to know their family, you really become a second part of their family. Um, and that's something that you never got in the hospitals. You never got that close contact. You never got to really know the individual. Um, and you really feel like you're making a difference. Um, so for me, I would say if you really want to do nursing and you've got a real interest and you're maybe not quite sure where you want to go with it, because I certainly wasn't, um, there are so many opportunities in care home nursing that you wouldn't realise were open to you until you're in here working. Um, so it's definitely a great opportunity um, for anyone newly qualified right up to people who are maybe at the end of their career. Um, I, would, I would say anybody um, would love it if they, if they give it a good try. And it's certainly my, um, certainly my um, impression and, and experience of people I've spoken to at Erskine. Um, it seems to be that they, people stay there. You know, it's not like uh, people work there for a short amount of time. The, the amount of people you speak to have been there for, you know, like yourself, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Bill McDowell um, on the IT there, 25 years. You know, yep. people don't seem to leave very quickly, you know, which is great, which is a good sign. It shows that people are happy and, and, and enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's I think the important thing is that for me, you know, we make promises to people, we offer training, we offer support. Um, you know, for somebody, even, you know, somebody newly qualified coming in, that's really important. A lot of places will make these promises and then they don't kind of appear into anything. Um, whereas here, we make those promises, we follow through on them, and then we can actually even go further. So I've currently got nurses who are advancing their, their learning at the moment um, through University of West of Scotland, local universities. They're doing master's courses, they're doing further degree courses in care home nursing and palliative care and dementia. Um, you know, and that's really important. It's about being somewhere that allows you to grow and become who you want to become. 
Um, and it is, we talk about individual care for the residents, but it's also individual for the staff. Um, oh. Because you always get asked, what would you like to do? Where do you want to be? What training would you like? Um, you know, and that's important. It's very important. Um, and Erskine really do look after their staff. Um, and, you know, the pandemic has certainly shown that no end. Um, the support and the care that everybody's been shown um, has been second to none from the chairman and the trustees um, right down to the, the line managers on the floor. Um, everyone has looked after each other. And what makes Erskine different from anywhere else, either in Scotland or indeed further afield than that, would you say, from, from your experience? What's, what makes it so special? Erskine is different from other care homes. Um, we say it all the time. And it's, it's kind of almost difficult to pinpoint what it is. You know, we do have amazing facilities. We've got amazing equipment, um, beautiful grounds. But it's not just that. It's the feeling that you get when you come into the home. And that's one of the biggest things that I've always worked on as the, the manager here is to make it feel like you're, as people say, they feel like they're coming home when they walk in through reception. It feels like you've arrived somewhere that you want to be. And that's the important thing. We'll, we will never be that person's home. Um, but what we try to be is a home away from home for them. Um, and I think the reason that the Erskine homes are so different is we, we provide the space, the environment, based on the residents who live there. So they make the choices about what they want, what they would like to have, whether it's activities or changing a quiet room into a library or a cinema it's all based around the needs and the wants of the residents right down to if you're walking down the corridors you'll see different types of pictures up in the different corridors and certainly that's because the residents have chosen those um, mm. and I think that's what makes it individual that that's what makes it different um, it's not we don't come into it as a, a job it's not a place of work it's someone's house, it's someone's home. And that's what we try and make it like. Um, and I think that's why we are so different. Um, obviously, being a charity helps. Um, I am renowned for my little book of projects that I carry about with me. <laughs> and um, if, you ask, if you ask anyone, um, particularly facilities, I'm sure they would cringe at my little book. Um, but we've done a lot of um, projects in, in the Edinburgh home, as they have across all the homes. Um, we, we're currently building a cycle track. Um, we've brought in um, special therapy rooms into our dementia houses. We built an allotment garden. Um, and all these things were based around ideas from the residents, um, areas that they wanted to have, that they might have had at home, um, or, or things they wanted to do. So they wanted to go cycling but maybe couldn't go cycling on their own. So we got the assisted bikes in so the staff can take them out cycling. Um, do you know, it's, it's little things like that, it's little touches. And being a charity allows us to do that because we can ask the local, local community, we can fundraise, we can, we can hopefully get the money that we need to do these projects and provide that care for the residents. And a lot of places don't have that opportunity. So it is very special. And it's also down to um, our veteran community, those supporters that give us that money as well. Um, they allow us to be more than just a care home. And that, I think that is the main difference as well, isn't it? That it allows 
residents, veterans, to continue that that banter, that camaraderie, and and all that kind of thing that's so important in the forces that that we're learning about. And it's one of the one constants that that people always mention is the you know the banter that that they were used to in the forces that they, that they miss when when they're not in that anymore, but but comes back to them when they're when they're a place like Erskine. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's like we said, it's a family. Um, you know, they, they work together, they live together. Um, and it's very much, you get that feeling um, in the houses as well. Um, and we get a lot of the banter um, and the jokes and the language <laughs> um, across, across the dining tables. And um, no, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It is. Um, and, you know, there's a big community out there needing support, whether it's people that are still in the military or people that are just coming out. Um, people living in the local community who are veterans themselves um, and, and the great thing is there's nothing really like Erskine in Edinburgh um, so we do have that connection with the local community and it, it is fantastic it'll be amazing to see what the future brings and to see it grow um, well it's been great speaking with you Alison and um, thanks for telling us all about Erskine and uh, and everything that's that's happening there and, and your own podcast as well it's all happening um, one final question then for you. It's the easy one. A choice of music to, to play us out. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so I'm a rock chick at heart. So I think uh, it would have to be the Foo Fighters. Anything by the Foo Fighters. Have you, uh, have you, have you checked out the, the Foo Fighters reincarnation of the, uh, as, as the Bee Gees? Yes, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Very talented man, that Dave Grohl, so he is. <laughs> he's done a great job. I think there's definitely, if, if Barry Gibb wants to get back on the road again, I think he's, uh, he's certainly got his backing band sorted. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. All right. Some Foo Fighters to round us off then. And uh, thanks very much for joining us, Alison Payne. Thank you, Ian.